the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There is a crisis of Christ-centered attitudes in the Christian church today. If we are to realize our goal and aim to take the gospel of the world, we must have the attitudes that God has for us through the Holy Spirit. That's Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's broadcast is entitled The Church of Smyrna and the Cult of Faith. That's The Church of Smyrna and the Cult of Faith, and we do hope that you enjoy it. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. The Church of Smyrna and the Cult of Faith is today's broadcast with Pastor Michael Oxentanko. Again, we'll bring you the first portion of this broadcast due to our time constraints. But you can catch it online at reachingyourheart.com. If you miss any portion of it, that's reachingyourheart.com. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentanko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. His name is Yusef Nadarkani, and he has been sentenced to death in Iran because he will not deny Jesus Christ. And that evil regime, and I call it an evil regime. Iran is an evil regime. Why? Because it kills people who have faith in Jesus Christ. It is in the business of stamping out truth in this world. It's one of those things that the Lord has his eye on. I believe light is coming to the nation of Iran one day. But this precious pastor who has confessed his faith in Christ, who has been converted to Christ, he has become a shepherd of the flock in that country, he has been sentenced to die because he will not deny Jesus Christ. Martin Luther King once wrote, a man who won't die for something is not fit to live. The meaning of life in many ways is defined by death. How you choose to die, how you can die. When a person lives well and they live for others, that means a lot to everyone. But when a person lives well, they often find the seed of understanding to die well too. Christ is the best example of this kind of life. He lived his life unselfishly for others. And when it came time to die, he laid down his life for us. And the Bible says this is the most important truth of the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins. You know, some people think, well, you know, the church ought to be a place where everybody's perfect. It ought to be a place where no one hurts my feelings, where there's no challenges. Dear heart, Christ died for the people in the church because the people in the church need a Savior just as much as the people outside of the church. I mean, I'm grateful for the gospel that my sins were laid on a substitute and in Jesus I'm accepted. And you know, that helps me to get reconciled up when I need to be reconciled. Friends, Jesus is the best example of a selfless life and a selfless death. He lived his life unselfishly for others. He died the same. Martin Luther King's words stand as a timeless truth. A man who won't die for something is not fit to live. Friend, in the Christian world today, there's a whole lot of talk about faith. 
talk, I say, and it has been reduced to a sentimental, mushy kind of feeling or mental assent that is far from Bible faith. I mean, Bible faith is real faith. Faith for many is nothing more than agreeing with what you believe to be true. Saying, yes, I, I believe. I believe or having a feeling about it. Oh, I feel good about that. Friend, faith has fallen in the mind of many Christians. It's become an empty form of intellectual assent. But not the living, powerful dynamo of God that moves into the impossible to affect the future for God. The devil has this kind of faith that merely believes in the facts. He doesn't care at all about the soul behind faith. He doesn't care about the God who is the God of faith. Satan believes in this sense that he possesses a knowledge that there is a God, but he has no real faith in God, and he's going straight to hell with that kind of faith. Friend, Bible faith is not his kind of faith. When you really believe Jesus is your Savior, when you really believe he died for you, you will have faith in Jesus as your Savior, and you will believe in him enough to die for him. You will love him. You will cling to his cross. You will cling to him as your reason for living. That is Bible faith. And friend, that's the faith of Jesus. In our study of the seven churches, we are looking at the seven epic attitudes that concern the universal church. There is a crisis of Christ-centered attitudes in the Christian church today. If we are to realize our goal and aim to take the gospel of the world, we must have the attitudes that God has for us through the Holy Spirit. Last week we learned that the church of Ephesus represents the apostolic church of the first two centuries that was active in fighting the era of what we call proto-Gnosticism, that first heresy that threatened the church. It was almost like a new agey kind of mix that was trying to overthrow scripture and apostolic tradition. And we find that those first Christians who were fighting against it, they were successful in using the word of God to combat it, but they had slipped into the trap of loveless defense of the faith. They defended the faith, but they didn't love the person that they were seeking to win. They had fought against error so long that they had become numb to the principle and to the affection of agape, selfless, Christ-centered love. And so the letter to the church of Ephesus was a call to love as Jesus loved, a call to have a first love with Jesus Christ. You know, before we talk about any attitude in the church, before we address what the church really needs, according to the Bible, we have to come to grips that if Christ died for us, then we have a reason to love Every other person who comes into our association, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done to us. The church of Smyrna follows the church of Ephesus, and it represents the Christian church of the late third and early part of the fourth centuries. Smyrna was a persecuted church that stood for Jesus when times were hard and life was on the line. It was not a rich church as far as the world is concerned, but it was rich in God's eyes. And the letter to the church of Smyrna is the call to faith. Ephesus, the call to love. Smyrna, the call to faith. Now, faith working through love is the essence of the Christian faith. And so we find it as the two themes of the first two churches. Revelation 2.8, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Let me ask you this question. Where is Jesus on your priority list Where is he really? Is he at the first and is he also the last? Is he the A and B of life? The Alpha and Omega for you? 
Or is he just an interruption, your plans, a necessary thing you tolerate in the course of a life that really doesn't want him? Friend, this letter starts with a portion of the vision of Jesus in Revelation 1 that directly concerns the church of Smyrna. I mean, like the church of Ephesus, before there's any counsel or praise, we find here is a picture of Jesus Christ. We are transformed only when we behold the beauty and the truth of who Jesus is. Revelation 1.17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand upon me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. Have you ever been afraid? Really afraid? Afraid of that health risk that you're trying to overcome? Afraid of the fact that maybe your job won't be here next month? Afraid of a future you can't manage? And here we find the statement is clear, fear not. I am the first and the last. Verse 18, and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Dear heart, when you hold Jesus' hand and you face the specter of death in the vision of Patmos, you are holding the hand that holds the keys. If you die holding his hand... If you die holding the hand that you may not understand, but you hold it nonetheless, you die holding the hand that holds the keys to death and the grave, you have a future. Christ lived, he died, and he will never die again. The text is clear. And if you have Jesus, now brace yourself for what I'm saying. You know, the theologians may not like it. It may not find its way into some philosophical system. But brace yourself for what I'm saying. If if you have Jesus... You have eternal life right now. Eternal life is not some formula you come up with that makes God send you to heaven. It's not some way of tricking God into making you be saved. Friend, if you have Christ, you have eternal life because life is in the Son. 1 John 5.11, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God does not have life. I mean, there are certain things you have to have in life. If you don't have them, your life doesn't matter. And friend, if you don't have Jesus, nothing matters. Did you hear me? If you don't have Christ, no accomplishment you have will mean anything in the end. But if you have the Son of God, you have life because God has put all of his life into Jesus. It's nowhere else. Verse 13, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I mean, God doesn't want you swimming around fearful of your acceptance with him. He doesn't want you second-guessing yourself so much that you become a ball of your own insecurities That so that all you can think about is what others think of you and what you can do to maybe make them feel better about you. Friend, John wrote this letter so that those dear people would know that if they have Jesus Christ, they have life in his name. And I don't know about you, that makes me want to worship God. That inspires me to put up with the faults of others and to love them in spite of it because the Lord loves me too. When you have Jesus and he is a personal Savior for you, you have what it takes to get you through anything. So the letter to the church of Smyrna starts with Jesus Christ who is the first and the last. Now this is a direct quote from Isaiah 44, 6. Let's take our Bibles and turn there. The great gospel prophet put it this way, Thus says the Lord, 
the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Now God the Father in the context is the King of Israel and Jesus Christ in the context is the Redeemer. They are both God. And we find here that they are both Yahweh, Jehovah God. I mean, this verse makes it impossible for you to believe that Christ is a created being because the king of Israel, his redeemer, is himself Yahweh, Jehovah God. And it says here, I am the first and the last. Both of them together are I because God is one. I am the first and the last and besides me there is no God. Friend, Jesus and his Father are in agreement because they are one. They are one God. Jesus is more than just a crucified teacher who gave good advice for life. Christ is more than a prophet and a sage of sorts. If that's what you're seeking, I'm sorry. Christ is more than this. Friend, Jesus is the redeemer of the human race. He is the creator and redeemer of the human race. And Christ is the first and the last, just like God the Father And Jesus is God, the great I am God who saves you. Now the one who died for you, hear me out, is God for you. The one who was raised from the dead for you is God for you. And the one who ever lives to make intercession for you, he is God for you. Now if you're banking your future and your hopes on anything but Jesus Christ, you have a bad investment going on. How many of you like investing in bad things? You like a return on your investment? You want that IRA to grow and you retire? Well, I do. My wife has the IRA. I have my wife. So I hang on to her. Now, Jesus Christ is well able to save the person who has faith in him as the saving redeemer. I mean, he's not incompetent at saving you, friend. The letter of the church of Smyrna starts with the truth that Jesus is the Lord of life and he has overcome the grave for you. I mean, fear of death, isn't that the greatest fear? And Christ has overcome the basis for that fear. The tomb has become a womb waiting the resurrection morning, the new day, if you have faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not too complicated. It is the apostolic truth. So we'll leave it where it stands. Revelation 2.8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life, I know your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now let me make it clear here, very clear, that the early Christian church was not anti-Semitic. Did you hear me? wasn't anti-Semitic, wasn't racist at all. While there were people who were struggling with racism in the church, the church itself was not because Christ is not a racist. They believe based on the teaching of the 12 apostles that the Christian church is the Israel of God that produces spiritual Jews. Now what do I mean by spiritual Jews? The Jewish people were the people of promise and faith in the word of God. I mean, God told Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so God has never withdrawn his promise from those who are considered the children of Abraham. It was the children of Abraham that was given the scriptures. The children of Abraham looked forward to the promise of a coming savior. The children of Abraham will inherit the kingdom of God. Every sacrifice pointed forward to Jesus, and the early Christians believed that you cannot be a Christian unless you are a spiritual Jew and a child of Abraham. The early Christian church kept the seventh-day Sabbath. 
I mean, this notion that they kept the first day of the week is historically undefensible. For 200 years, they kept the fourth commandment, the seventh-day Sabbath, in the Western Empire up to the sixth century until the armies of the East overtook them and forced them into the bishoprics. But through the Middle Ages, that apostolic tradition followed even to our day. And at the present time, there's a remnant of Christians today who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. They worshiped in the synagogue until there was a curse on Christ. I mean, they didn't leave because they wanted to. They left because they had to. That 18th benediction, that was enough. That was over. When they cursed Christ, they left the synagogue. And they believed that there was a place for every honest Jew and every honest Gentile that together were children of Abraham, They believe you come to the same table. You could break bread. You could confess your sins. You could wash the feet of a brother or sister. Be reconciled in the presence of Jesus. And they found in home churches the experience of God's church. And spiritual Jews became brethren, both Jew and Gentile in one family. I mean, there's no place for racism in the church. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a spiritual Jew. And every brother and sister from any race who confesses Jesus is part of your family. Romans 10, 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and bestows his riches upon all who call upon him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Galatians 3, 28, Paul says there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're a Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. I don't know about you, but I confess Jesus today. Do you? Okay, if you do, you're a spiritual child of Abraham. You are a spiritual Jew, according to the Bible. And do not be ashamed of your Jewish heritage, which is based on the word of God in apostolic order. In verse 9, Jesus says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. In the letter to Smyrna, we find no rebuke at all. I mean, in fact, it's a church where Christ doesn't try to straighten it out at all. But in the letter, the seventh letter to the church of Laodicea, there is nothing but rebuke and there's no praise at all. And so these two churches stand as a contrast in the seven churches. The church of Smyrna is the opposite in many ways of the church of Laodicea. The church of Laodicea is rich and increased with goods and has need of nothing, including Jesus. The church of Smyrna endures poverty and it has trouble, and it also has Jesus. And it's very clear in the text, it says, you are rich. Friend, I would rather have Jesus than prosperity theology. I would rather have Jesus than this notion that God gives me a reward so I can be a Christian. I would rather have Jesus and go through eight years of struggle to build a church Because Christ is on the road, then to sell out early, to just surrender faith, to abandon God's evidences, and just to believe the Lord's not with us because times are hard. Friend, 
If Jesus is with you, it doesn't matter what the externals are. The church of Laodicea and the apocalypse needs Jesus Christ because it is in danger of becoming a faithless, world-centered body of believers that doesn't believe in him. And so they need faith tried in the fire. The church of Smyrna has faith in the resurrected Lord, and so it endures through that experience. Jesus tells the church of Laodicea that he's ready to spit it out of his mouth unless it repents. Sometimes it's easy to feel that if you are being persecuted or if you've experienced tribulation in your life, that Jesus doesn't care about you. You ever feel that way? (laughs) Sure you have. I mean, you know, if, if you're having a rough time, Lord, why are you letting me go through that? Oh, Lord, why can't I prosper when I become a Christian? Why is it rough? Why, why did our health break down as soon as I started moving forward? Why do I have these relationship issues? Why do I have these faults of character suddenly? I realize when I come close to you, friend, Jesus is closer to you in trouble than when things are going good. You don't even know it. It's easy to rely on your circumstances. If you have a fat bank account, yeah, rely on that. But that's not what God wants in your life. He wants you to rely on Christ. He wants you to know the power of the resurrected Lord. So guess what? Trouble is your friend. When you're in trouble, Jesus is the treasure and faith. He's the redeemer, and he's the one who delivers. He can't deliver you if you don't need delivering. So he allows you to go through things so you know you need him. And so Jesus is the treasure and faith is the hand that lays hold of the promises of God that are in Jesus. The church of Smyrna endured its challenges, which are really blessings. Let's just look at them in brief. Challenge number one, tribulation, really a blessing. Challenge number two is poverty, really a blessing. Challenge number three is slander, believe it or not, a blessing. In the Sermon on the Mount and the Gospels, Jesus provided promises for these three challenges. He taught very clearly that all three of these challenges are in fact blessings if you have Christ. So challenge number one, tribulation is a blessing. Tribulation can be overcome in your life because Jesus has already overcome the world and overcome for you in life. Matthew 5.10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. John 16, 33, I have said this to you, that in me you may have peace. You want peace without Jesus, you won't have it. He says, I have said this to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Challenge number two is poverty, but it's really a blessing. Poverty is a blessing in disguise because it brings the kingdom of God to a heart that seeks heaven's riches. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now Luke 6, 20, Jesus says it in a more personal kind of way. He recognizes his disciples. He's looking at them when he says it. Look at the text, Luke 6, 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. When Christ looks down on you, and he looks at you with the loving eyes that died for you, he says, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Challenge number three, slander is really a blessing. Slander for Jesus' sake is evidence that you are a citizen of God's kingdom. Remember Satan slandered God in the beginning, and God has had to endure it ever since. I mean, the devil challenged God. He said he was misusing his authority and power. He challenged Jesus Christ, who was standing up for God, and that's how it all got started. And if you are experiencing the same thing in your life, if you are, you belong to God's kingdom. 
Because you're sharing the sufferings of Christ and the sufferings of God. Matthew 5.11, blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, the group identified as slanders in Revelation 2.9 claim to be Jews when they are really just a synagogue of Satan. Remember that the early apostles were Jews. But there were other Jews who refused to accept Jesus Christ, and certain ones, not all, but certain ones of these Jews persecuted those who became Christians. We know this from history. When the early Christian martyr Polycarp was being burned at the stake, some of those false Jews picked up sticks on the Sabbath to burn him alive. People who would not do any work based on the law of Moses on the Sabbath day had no problem breaking God's law to collect the wood to burn a follower of Jesus Christ alive on the Sabbath day. There were Jews who protected those early Christians too, and God has numbered every one of these precious children of Abraham, and they will have their place in the kingdom of God. You see, a person may not understand the gospel, but if that person loves a brother that Jesus died for, and he sticks his neck out for them, that person has exercised faith, whether they can define it or not, and in the judgment day, they are children of Abraham. And there were Christians in World War II who protected Jews, who died to save them too. You can't tell me that they're not brethren to those they saved and died for. Love breaks down barriers, and faith in Jesus provides a circle of concern for others, whoever they are. That will conclude the first portion of the broadcast entitled The Church of Smyrna and the Call to Faith with Pastor Michael Oxentangle. We'll conclude this broadcast the next time we get together, and thank you so much for listening today. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. And if you would like to attend in person at the church, we would love for you to do that. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.